Hey, it's No Apology with the Bible Idiots. It's time for long-form teaching here on this Wednesday. Emily's out today, so let me just introduce our message. It's one that I uh, put together from Acts chapter 9. It's called Don't Waste Your Life, and it comes from last February. We hope that it blesses you today. Thank you for hanging out with us on the Bible Idiots podcast, BibleIdiots.com. All right, Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1. But, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. Drop down to verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done in your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who can call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go! For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, be with us. Let these be your words and not mine. Let this be something we can grow as a fellowship together with. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Every time I read this story, I stand amazed at the great grace of God. I see the Lord take a man like Saul and save him by grace, then transform him into the great apostle, who was really the apostle to us, the Gentiles. And I realize that there is hope for people like you and me to be used of the Lord. Truth is, Saul was a very unlikely candidate for the service of the Lord. I mean, here is a man who was feared and he was hated by Christians. And he was the one who did everything in his power to try to destroy the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is the dude you're going to pick to reach the rest of us? Yet when God reached down with grace and took this man where he was, used him to literally change the world. God used him in such a great manner that Paul's ministry is still reaping fruit today. Just the fact we're talking about his life and the impact he's had on the world is a testimony to how God is using him then and uses him now. And when we look at Paul, we may be tempted to think that, oh, he's some kind of super saint and it was different back then. No, it it was probably harder back then if you want to know the truth. You know, and how can God use somebody like me? That's, that's what we hear a lot. The reason I hear that a lot is because I'm the guy who used to say that a lot. And so I can relate. 
And we all have a tendency to feel inferior and unworthy to be used by the Lord in his work. But I'm here to testify to you today, the Lord Jesus can use you if you make yourself available. And some of you may have asked the, the question, you know, yeah, you, you talk this way, you're going to bring up Paul, you're going to talk about this, but really, 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 can God use my life? Well, if we take a look at the Apostle Paul, and then we take a look at the rest of Scripture through the lens of Scripture, and we look at what we have been given through salvation in Jesus Christ, the answer is yes. The obstacles that are there, we're going to talk about, and God has no problem in overcoming them by his power and his grace. So the short answer to the question is, absolutely, God can use your life. So from these verses and others, allow me to show you why I say that. There's four points today. Point number one is your past condition is no obstacle. Your past condition is not a legitimate obstacle. According to Paul's own testimony, he was guilty of doing everything in his power to put Christianity to death. Acts 22.4, Acts 26.10, 1 Timothy 1.13-15, Paul tells us something about his past. Look, Paul was a murderer. He was a rebel against the Lord Jesus at the highest level. Religiously, he was actually envied because he was such a scholar. But internally, this was a wicked dude to the core. He was as wicked as anyone who ever walked the face of the earth. I don't just say that. Paul said that about himself as well. See, he is this incredibly evil loser of a guy, and that proved to be no obstacle for the grace and saving power of Jesus Christ. When Paul received Jesus into his heart, he was changed forever by the grace of God. And some might say, well, yeah, Paul was struck blind on the road to Damascus. If I'm struck blind out on Buckeye, maybe I'll give my life to the Lord deeper too. Are you a murderer? Have you gotten certificates from the magistrate to imprison Christians and have them executed? The answer is no, you haven't. Last I checked, Dickinson County doesn't have rules like that. The mask mandate is as far as they'll go. Every person who hears the sound of my voice, whether online or in person today, I want you to know that your past is no obstacle for the future of your work in the Lord's kingdom because of the incredible power and grace that Jesus Christ can give you. Regardless of what you did before you received Jesus as your Savior, it matters no longer. Once you are saved, that is gone. When Jesus saves a soul, he washes your past away forever. It's just as if you get a brand new start, a brand new reboot. The Bible refers to this as a new birth. John chapter 3, verses 3 and verses 7 of that chapter. So let me give it to you straight. I'm going to just tell it to you the way it is. There are three records of your past deeds in the world. There are three. Ready? First is the record you carry in your own mind. You carry the record of your own sins in your mind, your own past. Second, there's a record carried by those who knew you before you were saved. They have their record. We'll deal with that. Third is the record carried by Satan, and he will throw your past up in your grill, in your face all the time. So that's why we're going to have this talk today. 
because those three records are overcome. Remember, it doesn't matter about your past. Your friends, your family, they may remember your past. Satan may throw stuff up. You may think of things that, that bog you down. But God in heaven has forgotten my past. He's forgotten your path, past, and it is no obstacle to him using you now or in the future. And I've got a bunch of scriptures to back that up. I'm going to say them to you right now. You have them in your sermon notes. Look them up if you want to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ after this service throughout this week. Psalm 103, verse 12. Isaiah 38, 17. Isaiah 43, 25. Jeremiah 20, 50. Micah 7, 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And 1 John 1, 7. Throughout the Bible, God always has used people in spite of their greatest failures. Now, I'm not, I, I could list 20 people just off, you know, just, just to get kick this off. Let me just give you three or four. Simon Peter preached his greatest message and had his greatest ministry when? After he denied the Lord three times. You guys realize in the scripture, Peter looks at Jesus, the Savior he's walking with, and he says, I'll die with you. I'll do anything for you. I'll even die with you. And within 24 hours, he denied he even knew him three times, including to a 15-year-old servant girl. What's up with that? Ten days later, he preaches the greatest message in the Bible where the church was born and thousands came to know Jesus as their Savior. Moses was a murderer, yet God used him for his glory. Abraham lied, yet he was used of the Lord. Jacob was a deceiver, yet God transformed him and used him greatly. And we say, what? The God of Israel. Who's Israel? Israel is the name of Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sometimes Jacob is literally translated in certain translations as Israel. Did you know that? There are many others who could be named with these, but it's sufficient to show that the Lord can take those who have failed in the past and can still use them for his glory today and in the future. So point one, your past is no obstacle. Point two, your present circumstances are no obstacle. Your present circumstances are no obstacle. Now, before you say, well, Chris, you don't really know my circumstances. That's true, but you don't know mine either. Okay, What we do know is Paul's, and that's an example given to us. And Paul's on his way to Damascus. He's going to find Christians. He's going to arrest and take them where? To Sip's coffee shop and have a good talking to? No, Paul's going to arrest you and take you to your death. He's filled with hatred. He wants nothing more than to completely destroy anyone or anything connected with the Lord Jesus. Do we see that in our culture right now? Yet, in spite of all this, the Lord's able to change him and use him for the glory of God. Notice, I didn't say for the glory of Paul. To use him for the glory of God. He can do the same thing in your life and in mine. He can take us with all the baggage that we carry, and he can use us for his glory. And as he starts to use us for our, his glory, our baggage starts to fall, fall away to the wayside. It's amazing. Now, we will bring certain liabilities to the table. You will, I will, that's just part, part of what it is. Some are uneducated. And I'm going to be honest with you, some people are overeducated. Their overeducation is a liability for them to serve Jesus. Some, some guys that are so educated, I just feel sorry for them. 
because they can't parallel park and they can't talk to girls. Others have few resources. Others have way too many resources because it's hard for a rich man to surrender his life to Christ, right? Some are weak in the faith, and then others are arrogant and they're filled with pride. Look at me and what I did for Jesus. What do we call that here at Lifehouse? The pendulum, right? You can bring these liabilities to the table, and God can still use you. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, whether it's you're super weak or whether you're super arrogant, whether you're super uneducated or whether you've got 25 doctorate degrees. You know, it doesn't matter whether you are just filled with fear or whether you are so overconfident in your abilities that you're a hindrance to everybody around you. God can still take all of that and use it in your weakness because it's, it's liabilities. That's what a weakness is. He's able to take us exactly where we are, change what needs to be changed, and then use us greatly. The Bible is filled with this. Moses is one of the best stories that everybody points to because Moses is like 80 years old when God calls him. It's so cold this morning when I let the dogs out. I've got to be honest, I felt 80. But Moses is 80 years old, and, and in Exodus 7, 7, he's called to the ministry. But in Exodus chapter 4, we find out that Moses had a bunch of other issues as well. Not very eloquent, verse 10 of chapter 4. Filled with fear, verse 1 of chapter 4. Totally opposed to the Lord's plan for his life. That's a hindrance, verse 13 of chapter 4. Yet despite it, God used this man for his glory. In a big, big way. Think about the demonic man in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. This man was feared by everyone. Everyone. But the Lord was able to take this man who caused so much trouble and he was able to use him as a witness to the glory of God. God took him where he was. Jesus healed him of his demonicness and he was used for God's glory. Another obscure one that you can look up is 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It tells the story of four lepers who became the unlikely saviors of Jerusalem. God just took them where they were and used them in spite of their circumstances. Hear me. God took them where they were and used them in spite of their circumstances. What I'm trying to get at this morning is that your present circumstances has not caught the Lord by surprise. He knows everything there is to know about you, Hebrews 4.13 from last week. He knows where you are, Job 23.10. He still can use your life if it is yielded to his glory. The secret lies in putting Romans 12.1 and 2 into practice, transforming your mind. It's all right there. It's so easy, and yet it's so hard at the same time. So if your past is no obstacle, your present circumstances are no obstacle, how about point number three? Your personal characteristics are no obstacle. Your personal characteristics are no obstacle. Paul was feared by the followers of the Lord Jesus. His conversion was seen by many as more of a, a trap, like, I mean, people thought, oh, this Paul, he's just, he's faking conversion now to try to trap us so he can get us. I mean, that's what the leaders thought. Put yourself in Ananias' shoes. The guy who wants to kill all of us, Jesus appears to you and says, you're supposed to go down the street and hang out with him and pray with him. 
And Ananias is like, Lord, I hear you, but are you sure? In fact, when Paul went to Jerusalem after his conversion, after Ananias, after he's starting to do ministry, when he finally goes to Jerusalem to meet the apostles, you know what had to happen? Barnabas had to go with him and introduce Paul to the other leaders because they still didn't totally trust this guy. But God was able to overcome that hurdle and use Paul in a great fashion. So if you take the time to just pause and look at Paul's life, you'll find that he's a man with many personal characteristics that seem to be unfavorable to his success. Let me say it again. Listen to me now. If you look at Paul's life, and I'm going to list a bunch of scriptures here that are in your sermon notes. You don't have to write them down. But all of his personal characteristics just seem to be unfavorable for success in the kingdom, much like Moses, but only different. I mean, note 2 Corinthians 10.10 or 2 Corinthians 11.6, Galatians 4.13 and 14, Galatians 6, verse 11. Paul had all these hurdles that he had to get over to be used by the Lord But God was able to use him in spite of what was wrong with him physically, in spite of what was wrong with him internally. And he made him a new creature. See, the comparison trap is an awful thing. If we get into the business of comparing ourselves with others, then we get in for a rough ride. If I compare what I know about me to what I don't know about you, I always lose. I lose every time. Every time. most of us have characteristics that make us feel we can't be used by God. You say, yeah, but. I would, but. So I want to remind you that God can take this thing that we consider any weakness in our life, and he can use us anyway. He excels in taking the weak and foolish things of the world and using them in a great way. Now, I don't say that just because I'm the loser who happens to be your pastor, okay? I mean, that's a pretty obvious one. If I can be a pastor, y'all really have no excuse, i got to be honest. But the Bible says so. The Bible says so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to put that one on the screen for you because I want you to see it. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. We can turn back to the pages of the Bible and find proof of this great truth all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. Look, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22 is salvation history. In Genesis, at the tree, we, we lost it. Adam and Eve sinned, brought death into the world. The tree of life? In Revelation 22, we get it all back. And it's salvation history all throughout scriptures and all throughout the Bible. It's laced with losers just like me and you. Most of them a lot worse than us. Why? So that God can say, look, here's a loser I used. Here's another loser I used. Here's another loser I used. Hey, loser, I can use you too. We've already mentioned Moses. I mean, Moses took this old dude who had a speech impediment and used him as the spokesperson for the new uh, release of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Think about that. He uses a young Jewish girl named Esther to save his people from slaughter. 
He used a young, unknown boy named David to be the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. He used a beggar named Lazarus to preach a daily sermon by his actions to a rich man. God used 12 unknown men, uneducated men from various walks of life to set the world on fire for God. Two of my favorite preachers don't have seminary degrees. A.W. Tozer and D.L. Moody, neither one of them had an education. They just had a passion to share God's word because God changed them and they surrendered their life and they said, whatever, man, let's do this thing. And they just went for it. Even Jesus had strikes against him. Others saw him as no more than being the son of Mary and Joseph, John 6, 42. Most thought that he, there was no way God could use anyone from Nazareth. Whatever good came out of Nazareth, John 1, 46. Others questioned the fact that he came from Galilee. Some even said Jesus was actually simply the tool of Satan. That's, when we look at it in its context, that's why... We, Sticks and stones, my friend. Sticks and stones. Not worried about it. We're going to do what we do. Even with the marks against him, who can deny that the Lord used the life of Paul more than any other who walked on the face of the earth as far as a sinner being saved by, by grace? And who said that? Jesus did. He saved him. And who can say that other than Jesus Christ, who else has walked on the face of the earth that lived the perfect life? Nobody. The Lord had all these strikes against him, and he still walked the walk. Paul had a huge past against him full of sin where the grace of Jesus saved it, and he wrote much of the New Testament. I say all this to say regardless who you are, where you're from, what problems you have, what personality quirks you exhibit, what level of education, whether that be a lot or a little, both are liabilities, or whether God can and use you and will make yourself available to his and his work. God can and will use you if you make yourself available to his work. One more time. God can and will use you if you make yourself available to him and his work. God has all kinds of folks in his service. He has all different kinds of preachers. He has all different kinds of servants, all different kinds of people doing different things. And he, all he's looking for is those who are willing to serve him. He just wants faith. And by faith, we give him everything, and he just takes care of us. That's where the fear melts away. When he says, fear not, fear not, fear not. So point number four is your private concerns are no obstacle. Your private concerns are no obstacles. So to review, your past is no obstacle. Your past condition, no obstacle. Your present circumstances, no obstacle. Your personal characteristics are no obstacle. And your private concerns are no obstacle. I'm going to put another one up on the screen for you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, the second half of verse 7 through verse 10. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh and a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I just touched on the fact that Paul had all these physical infirmities. They plagued his life. But Paul said that all these weaknesses guaranteed him greater strength. That's what it said. Like Paul, you may look upon yourself as being weak and unable to do much for the cause of Christ. However, the truth of the matter is God doesn't need you to be strong. He doesn't want us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. All of that type of activity of our own strength and and our own um, standing firm, it comes from him. He gives us that. That's still him. He needs us to be weak, to be dependent upon him and his power. If we're not dependent on him and his power, we're trying to do things in our own strength. It never works out like it should. God, look, God is not looking for spiritual powerhouses. He's not. He's looking for regular folk who have nothing more than faith and a desire to cling to the Lord. That's what he's looking for. And as we look back at the Bible, we can find times when God took the weak and used them in a great way. Hannah wanted a child, and she turned to the Lord in desperation to give her a son. This turned out to be Samuel, the spiritual leader, the great spiritual leader of the Israelite people. Daniel was a mere teenage boy when the Lord gave him the strength to stand against the king of Babylon. All because Daniel was what? I'm going to do this for the Lord. No, because he was weak and he just said, Lord, I got nothing but you. He was totally yielded to the Lord. Mary, we just got done with Christmas a few months ago. I mean, we saw that she's just this teenage girl who God asked her to carry the Messiah in her womb. She lived under reproach from that time on. It was going to be so bad for Mary that an angel had to come to Joseph and say, no, it's cool. This is what's happening. The biggest miracle in the history of the world is happening right now. And then she gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ that saves millions and millions and millions of people. So let's talk about it as we bring it home today. Let's just lay it out there. Some fight depression. Some battle loneliness. Some fight against feelings of inferiority. Some keep their wickedness of days gone by constantly in front of their eyes. And some feel so inadequate to do the Lord's work. And whatever name your particular weakness may carry, it can be an obstacle for you if you allow it to be. However, the Lord says Today, your problems are nothing. Your problems are nothing. He can take you in the midst of your weakness, and he can use you to confound the strongest of those about you. He can take your life and make it an inspiration to anyone who comes in contact with you. And the secret lies in one word. You ready? Surrender. 
Are you totally surrendered to the Lord and to his will for your life? So how about some confession time? I am for 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes later, I try to take it back. And then I am for a couple hours. Then something will happen. And I take it back. This is why God says transform your mind. This is why God says daily in keeping with repentance, serve the Lord. Daily in keeping with repentance, serve the Lord. This is why if you don't read your Bible for a week, you're, 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 you're spiritually starving to death. You feast on the Word and in prayer. You spend time in fellowship with other believers. And we grow together. And we stay surrendered to God. And then God can use your life. The one thing you need to know, though, before God can use you, your life must first be His to use. So there are just a few questions that need to be considered as I wrap up today. Four questions. Ready? About as straightforward as you're ever going to get it from a pulpit. Here we are. Number one, are you saved? Are you really saved? Not good, not baptized, not a covenant partner or church member, but are you totally saved? Number two, are you fully surrendered? Have you given your absolute all on the altar to Jesus? Are you holding anything back? Everything is his, and in that surrender, he can use you. Number three, are you available for him to use? Is your life so cluttered with everything that you do that there's now nowhere for the Lord to get in and use you? Number four, this is a subtle one, are you willing to be used by the Lord? And when you get willing to be used by the Lord, it may not look like you want it to look. He won't force you to serve him. But there's many times you'll wish you had. He'll never force you into anything. But he may create some obstacles in your life that, that like, okay, we're doing this, right? You have to come to that place where you're willing for the Lord to use you. Now, if the answer to any of those four questions is straight up between you and God, if it's straight up no, then the Lord cannot fully use you. The key word is fully. The Lord cannot use you fully until those things are taken care of by his grace. That's the dealio. Straight up. That's what it is. So I challenge every person in this room, examine your hearts to do what you need to do right now. Be fully saved. Be fully surrendered. Be available for him to use. And then ask him to continue to give you the willingness to be used by him on an ongoing basis. Because you may be willing right now, but if your driver doesn't win the Daytona 500, you may not be. You follow what I'm saying? Any little thing can throw you off your game. And that's why you constantly... Stay in the word. You stay in prayer. You stay in fellowship with your heavenly father. And then what does he give you? He gives you a body of believers. There's other believers out there that are fully saved, that are fully surrendered, that are available for him to use, and they want to hang out with you. And then there's some people that get together and say, why don't we put an organization together where we can all come together at least once a week? 
We'll call it Lifehouse Church on 2nd Street in Abilene, Kansas. And then what do we do? We encourage each other because our willingness to be used by the Lord waffles. Everybody's waffles. But we can stand firm, steadfast, and true to be used by God. And we can stay that way. Instead of 10 minutes, it becomes 10 hours. Instead of 10 hours, it becomes 10 days. Instead of 10 days, it becomes 10 months. And your wobble doesn't happen as much anymore. You follow? You with me? Because if we strive to get into that place where the Lord can use our lives for his great glory, it is an incredibly freeing, awesome place to be. And when you're around other people that are doing the same thing, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us, the burden is light and the yoke is easy. So will you come and be used by God this season, 2021? Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.